Splendor in the Smash. This, say it. Splendor in the Smash. Say it, yeah, okay, so, <laughs> yeah. That's, you know what? I pitch a dozen stupid fucking names, and that's what I always do. I'll text Biss at 4 a.m. and go, I know what I'm calling the next show. And he'll go, what? And I'll go, Splendor in the Smash. And then he'll go, he'll just be silent. And I'll go, say it to yourself, Biss. <laughs> say it out loud. So moted to be. <laughs> and I, I know that he's over there just like <laughs> sitting on the edge of his mattress, wiping the sleep out of his eyes, just going, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, yeah, what the, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is a, I love the title of this show. This is one of my favorite dumb titles of all time. Up there with Flash and the Bash. I might bring this one back one day. But anyway, so this is, we're, we're at an interesting point in the company because someone arrives behind the scenes who had not previously been there. But first, I guess we got to touch on the fact that uh, there used to be three of us that ran the company. Yeah. There was a gentleman by the name of Josh Montgomery, uh, who we've talked about limitedly uh, prior to this. But we're at a point where he's basically checked out. He's had a, he's had a kid yeah. recently at, at this point in time. And he, uh, we're always kind of like waiting for him to show up or expecting him to show up, but he just starts kind of no showing. Yeah, this is this is the point where he just he's kind of stopped showing up. Yeah, he's he checked kinda, out. He ghosted us, if you will. <laughs> he kind of did, but yeah. uh, and I gotta say, like, there's no acrimony between us. Like, if I could talk yeah. to Josh every day of my life, I would. Yeah, like Josh is a really funny, pleasant, hilarious yeah, I think, guy. I think we both, from time to time, still check in with Josh and still talk to Josh. Yeah, we um, mi- we miss Josh. We, I wish Josh was still around. Yeah, um, it was basically. Uh, you know, once once he had his kid, like that's what he wanted to focus on, and uh, I think like Josh put up the money, the first seed money to start the company. So like, you know, he'll always be uh, invaluable to us. He'll always have a place in our hearts. Yeah, he's always welcome. <laughs> but um, there was still kind of like a, a weird kind of kind of gap. Um, yeah. I, I guess I've got to ask you a question at this point in time. So it's always kind of been a trifecta of people at the core of the company, right? Yeah. Do you feel that we need a third anymore, or do you think it's just us two at this point? I I think it, I think the structure changes, right? Yeah. <clears throat> like I think it's us two at the top, and I think that the rest of it gets filled in with like, to you know, it takes a village to raise a child. Type it d- thing, it right? does, but I feel <clears throat> like like I think we kind of elevate people that are just below uh, our level. Because I think, well, right now I yeah. will say that I think there is a power. There, there. Okay, so there was a power structure that was based around three individuals. It was you. It was I. Initially, Josh was part of that. Yep. And then Josh left, and um, we're about to talk about the third person that came in after him to fill that that role. Yeah. Um. Now, though, I would say that it's you and I, and I don't, I don't believe there's a third anymore. Yeah. No. Um. But we have people who I feel like have been around so long and contributed in such a vast way that they are equals among us. Uh, I would say first, uh, uh, Eamon, our lead commentator, I would say Eamon is very much one of the godfathers of this company at this point. And I would also say that Eric Wood, I, I regard equally Eric Wood being the man who is behind the visual component and the recording of our shows now. So, I think it's us, and then, yeah, we have other people who are involved in other capacities who we hold 
in equal regard. But we're about to talk about a guy by the name of uh, T.J. McAloon. Yep. Is that, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, McAloon. Okay. It's not Max, McAloon, right? It's Mac- not Max. McAloon. Okay. No, no. It's, it's M-C-A-L. Oh, yeah, yeah. O-O-N. Yeah, but M-C is Mac, right? McAloon. Mick. McAloon. Mac. M-A. M-A-C, like Mac, oh. you know, it's not well, Mac, Mac, it's not McDowell, it's McDowell. McGregor is M-C. I don't give a shit. Anyway. All right. Okay, so TJ. you're going to have, you're going to have to talk about, I think, did you meet TJ at a Mania weekend? Yeah. Okay, let, I have to have you kind of like take the baton here and talk to me <laughs> about, about how you met TJ. So, um, originally, uh, TJ had reached out to us and there was somebody else as well that was trying to. There's been a couple of people that have tried to fill this this role for us, but everyone comes and looks at the show and goes, "Oh my God, you're so successful! Why don't you have sponsors?" We're like, "Well, fuck, we'd love to have sponsors." And we we do. We've tried. We've we've had a few, right? But like, consistently getting sponsors has been a challenge for us. I don't think it's really necessarily in either one of our wheelhouses, right? So we would bring people in and be like, look, we don't know what we're doing. So if you go find sponsorship money, you can have a large percentage of the, the money because it's free money for us, right? Um, and like everyone comes in and is like, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake, right? There's, there's no issue here where this is a slam dunk. So the first person kind of came in and then just stopped showing up. Um, the The other person we talked to like, really was not somebody that we wanted I, to have to deal with in that position. I want to say we were actually approached by the guy who eventually helped with the Game Changer show. Here. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Was that him? I, I, want, to, I want to say that. I yeah. want to say that I remember de- like meeting him. Yeah. Because that guy was always kind of shadowy. Yeah. But a lot of people, when they come in, they want, they want the book. They yeah. want They want to come in and they're like, which doesn't make sense to me. It's like, why do you come in and go, oh, you're so successful and I love the product and then go, but I want to do what you're doing. And it's like, no. Like yeah. what I, first of all, here's the reality. Biss and I have both spent thousands of dollars doing this company. We haven't made a fucking dime ever. That's not even, that, that's not even an exaggeration. I'm not being silly. I think I've bought like a, a hamburger once or twice. I've bought, a, <laughs> I've bought myself a printer cartridge here or there. <laughs> but, um, my my reward is seeing people grow as artists, the wrestlers grow as artists. My reward is seeing the crowd happy. My ultimate gift to myself, though, is that this fills a role in my life where I get to be creative. Yeah. You know? And it's a lot of work. Those shows are a lot of work, man. You go there, you're on your feet all fucking day, and then at the end of the night... We haven't mentioned it in a while, but we're fucking huffing bleach and pushing mops yeah. and throwing garbage out in dumpsters. Like we're we're breaking our ass to do this stuff financially and physically a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I mentioned recently. Um, I mean, part of what has made this year so hard is that you know when shit gets hard, we've we've always had this to kind of lean on and to, to. So it's fulfilling. Yeah, it, it's we creatively put this together and we have to lean on, we have to lean on a lot of other people to make our dreams come true. Yeah. Right. But when it pops off and when we can sit there and watch a crowd react and everything fucking fits together, it's fucking magical. And it, uh, 
it's a huge void since it's been gone, since we haven't been able to do it the right way, right? So while we've come on here and we've said, why the fuck are these people running? Why would you get in a car and fucking... We absolutely think it's unsafe and, and dumb, but I, I'm starting to understand why people would choose to be dumb to go chase that feeling, you know? Um, it's still not something we're going to do. We're going to hold steadfast that we're going to do this right when it's time to do it right. But that reaction from from a crowd um, to what you've put together creatively, uh, that, that reaction that you're looking for when you're trying to get a certain emotion and you get it, it's just fucking there's nothing else in the world like that <clears throat> so yeah that's that's what we do this for you know um and i think i've consistently tried to look for like my cutoff point right <laughs> yeah like like i've always but i think this year has really made me realize i never want to stop doing this yeah you know um it was always like i always was like looking at at these these people my my peers as promoters and then watching them become these carnies and these like watching them become not the greatest people. And it was like, let me get out while I, I still can, while I'm still good. Um, but I don't think that, I think that you can stay good. You know, I think that that's a hundred percent possible. Um, yeah, I, I turned into a diatribe on, on me, but you know, like, um, I think that's, uh, that's an important part it's of it. All, it's all, what it's makes all it worthwhile. It's all right? definitely, it's all valid. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I, I do relate to what you're saying. Um, but let's talk about the man who mm-hmm. was our third for a little bit. Yeah. TJ. So TJ, um, TJ worked for the Pittsburgh pirates. And then he also worked for the Texas Wranglers. I want to say yeah. whatever the indoor arena football team was. He was also, he was also really um, adept at, <clears throat> bolstering social media numbers, yep. traffic, visibility. Um, I feel like we didn't utilize TJ to the best of his abilities, honestly. Yeah. Like he, I think he could have done a lot more for us. Not that he didn't try, but I think that we were focused on different things than we should have been. Yeah. And um, so I met TJ um, at WrestleMania weekend um, 2016 in Dallas. And, um, <laughs> so I met him in a random hotel. It wasn't my hotel. I don't think it was his hotel. <laughs> so met him in the hotel lobby. And, Y'all were just being rogues. Yeah. Uh, he was going to play golf and it was nearby where he needed to be. And I was, um, I stayed at the Omni cause whenever I go to Dallas, I stay at the Omni cause I'm fancy like that. <laughs> um, and this was like way off the beaten path. Um, but I was moving from overnight shift to uh, afternoon shift. So I was just in this weird uh, sleep funk. Um, so basically I, I met him up and I had no idea what he actually wanted. Um, but he had said, hey, I've worked for sports teams before. Um, I think I can help you guys out. And I was like, all right, let's, you know, I'm. Kind of at this point, I'm jaded, right? But he, but he, he, he was also familiar with our product, wasn't Very. he? Yeah, yeah, he'd been coming to our shows. Yeah, that's what really surprised me. So um, when I sat down and talked to him, he's like, "Oh yeah, you, 
you guys did this with Keith Lee, and that was really awesome. And then you did this with Ricky Starks, and I think Ricky Starks is amazing. You know, knew our product very well. I was like, look, man, I'm going to be honest with you. like, Because what he was asking to do was to find sponsors for us, um, which is not what ended up. It ended up being more involved, right? So uh, basically, I was like, look, this is the deal. We've had two or three other people that have tried to do this. They haven't been able to supply us with anything. Here's the deal. You find anything for us, you get this percentage. <clears throat> and uh, so this was the first first show that he was, you know, part of the team. Yeah. Know, uh, which was the last Marquesa. This was the last Marquesa show. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about that. So at this point, uh, the Marquesa Holland Theater has changed ownership. Yeah. Um, and there was quite a bit of drama surrounding this. Uh, the owner, Deb, who had held on to the space for quite some time, basically had it sold out from under her to Austin Film Society. And they acquired the building, and they intended to close it down to renovate. And their plan was to basically create this amazing space where uh, they, they were going to redo the lobby. They were going to put in another theater. Um, and they were going to make the hall that we were in a production house. And so there would be just this, this constant wheel running where you would see films being made, films being polished and produced, and then also being screened. It was an, an all, all immersive, like, you know, thing in terms of Austin film culture. And that's what they wanted. And of course, there was really no room for the loud, gross yeah. wrestling promotion that oftentimes probably kind of ruins some of their screenings. Yeah. Uh, so this this was broken to us, and this was our last show leaving. Uh, yeah. we, we, you know, be, this was our last show in, in the venue uh, at that time. Yeah, and, and uh, so you remember the present they left us with? What was that? The the AC was broken. Oh, God. And they didn't tell us it was broken. No. We, we So, like, it was extremely hot, and I remember you went out and was like, hey, can you guys adjust the temperature? It's a little warm. Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem, right? I think it was, like, intermission we finally found out. Hey, the AC's broke. Actually, it had ex- the, uh, the unit on top of the building had exploded. Yeah. Yeah. It and was, uh, a yeah. raven showed up, right? Yeah. And was the one that finally told us what was going on. Yeah, it was it was very weird. We'd had a lot of problems with just the temperature in the building up to that point, and a lot of people had started to really complain about how unpleasant the shows felt yeah. uh, in terms of the the, the, the room control temperature. Uh, but in spite of that, our crowds really hung in there and just they were yeah. sweating balls with us. But it so, was you know I do this was a TJ's first show, so he was like, well, let me find a way that I can rent an AC unit. It's like, oh god, dude, we don't, we can't afford that. <laughs> like, yeah. Like so, um, love you guys, but like, it's like, no, man, just we'll we'll put What's in the the fans, we'll open up the bay door. Um, so yeah, this was a bit of a, a bit of a struggle temperature wise to get through. It was it was extremely hot in that building. That yeah, night. we had giant. They had giant roll, rolling fans, yeah. and we opened the bay doors, and we had them on exhaust to get the heat out, but it just. It wasn't enough. It was it was really tough. Um, this was an unpleasant show to 
to, to, to run. But otherwise, I think the show was fantastic. It, it was a very efficiently run show. Like yeah. Right at three hours. My temperature may have had something to do with that. But, like, yeah, man. It was uh, very well well run. Um, very efficient. Creatively great, yeah. too. I'm, I was really happy with this show. Yeah, a lot of this is, is really fun. Uh, you want to dive into it, or is there anything else you want to touch on? No, nah, just uh, just that I think uh, you know, TG came in and um, he becomes really instrumental at helping us navigate venues. Yeah, because we're about to go off on a spate of changes. <laughs> yes, um, it's really important to kind of kind of talk about that stuff. And uh, yeah, you know, T and TJ is a colorful character, very funny. Yeah, I think he, I think he started to be implemented. In ways that he did not anticipate, yeah. he became like a he became he ran stuff like he was picking up lights he was yeah he was doing a lot of stuff for us and um and also just he made the shows possible in general yeah like he, he he really he came in at a time where we were we could have easily gone out of business yeah and basically kept <clears throat> us afloat so gratitude to him for that yeah you know he was. He was often like not not seen, but I think he also was a guy that really just loved being around the business. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. Let's let's dive into this, man. Yeah. So the first match on this card is a six man tag team match where we have the New Movement versus the Rabid Empire, and it is uh, Jojo Bra- Bravo, Nigel Rabid, and Thomas Shire against Chris True, Delilah Doom, and Keith Lee. Yeah. And this is uh this is really kind of um. The uh, well, it becomes the uh, the finale of the Rabbit Empire versus New Movement feud for various reasons. Um, but yeah, we're basically building that up. We had more planned for this. This was kind of like a chapter, but for other reasons, we'll go into it. This is sort of the end of it. Um, so Nigel Rabbit ends up picking up the the pinfall over um, Chris True at this point, and. This match is really more about Thomas Shire and uh, JoJo wrestling with Doom and uh, Keith Lee, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's spots sprinkled in. So Nigel had complained that the feud was very one-sided and that True was basically, you know, picking up all the victories and making him look like a fool, which, you know, you're the heel manager. Like... (laughs) Looking like a fool is what you get paid for. Yeah, can you imagine Bobby Heenan complaining about looking stupid? Like, uh, I don't know about wearing that weasel suit. Like, yeah. Come on, man. Um, so, um, he he gets the victory here, but this is the this is the last we see of Nigel. So he, he was very unhappy. He was complaining. I I think there were still issues with this match, right? Which was yeah. kind of where we we're like, okay, look, this is just not going to work out. I don't even know what he would want. Like, what do you, you want a thirty-eight? You want to shoot somebody to death? Like, what do you? <laughs> yeah. Like, what exactly? Do you want you, you want to win the company in the match? Like, what were you looking for? Yeah. I, I just don't understand it. But also, I think um, he was about he was about to leave too. I think he had come back from India. Had he come back at yeah, this point? So, yeah. Okay, because I was not privy to like a lot of those conversations. I know he was yeah. gone for a little bit because he I, went to India. I think he had agreed. Yeah, he wanted a, a boost in pay because of it. Which did like it didn't make sense yeah. to me. But I think he, you know, I think he had also been like, oh, I had agreed to do this, so I'll, I'll still, you know, he's he was a good businessman about it, even though I didn't agree with the the business he was coming with, you know. Yeah. Um, 
he had agreed to honor the shows that he had already agreed to. Obviously. I remember him just being disappointed though and asking why he wasn't on future shows after this though. So Yeah. Well that that's when the uh you know, the pay the pay boost for the India thing, as well as just constantly not being happy, happy. with what we were doing, you know? Yeah. So he wanted to still be involved, but he, he seemed to want to bitch the entire time. So. Yeah. Um, you know. Anyway, moving along, we have uh, a tag team match between Alex Reigns and Moonshine Mantel, uh, where they're going up against Gregory James and a mystery opponent, sort of. Yeah, it... Originally, it was scheduled to be Jason Silver. But as we covered last yeah. show, Jason was having some heart issues, I believe, was what I was told. Yeah, so and we, yeah, we, couldn't, we, we couldn't pulled do- him off this show. And there was also, like, uh, again, this is another one of those scenarios where I think there was some acrimony brewing between Greg and Jason, too. P- possibly. But I think more than anything, it was the, the health issues with Silver. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard and to say. I think it, it became... I think it got... To this weekend, and it was like, look, you need to take some time away and get yourself right. Yeah. So I think this was the start of that. So at the, at the same time, um, we had so we had a we had a, a authority figure by the name of Greg Simons uh, during our first year who actually had to step away from the business for personal reasons. He was going through a lot. Uh, the environment as a whole was just not positive for him, yeah. and so he took some time off and. He eventually came back to us and said that he wanted back in. Yeah. And uh, Greg is such a beam of light that there was just there was no even there was nothing to even contemplate. It was just like, oh fuck yeah, you know. I mean, Greg is a guy that you just want around, even if he's not doing anything on the show, just because he is a really supportive, uh, wonderful man, and um, and he's also a great wrestler. Uh, one of his first matches that I saw was his retirement match uh, against ACH, and, ACH yeah. and that was a phenomenal match. Um, but uh, so I wanted to do something fun with Greg, uh, character-wise. I wanted to introduce him here, kind of repackage him, and uh, do something that spoke to the Austin market, but also played a little bit off of Greg's personality, yeah. which was very positive, very zen, very. Uh, motivational and like it's funny like the the thing that was allowing him to be able to wrestle again right he'd gotten big into yoga yeah you know so absolutely like, so like that was a big part of this too so yeah it was the the namaste yeah character for yeah like a so term. yeah so greg greg actually is de- yeah he debuts his new age healer gimmick here and um we really had like a lot of wrinkles in this he comes out in these white flowy pajama pants He's wearing a hooded cape that says Namaste as I want to be <laughs> on the back. And he comes out to uh, the, like one of the, one of the Gregor- Gregorian uh, chants by the band <laughs> uh, um, Enigma. You remember Enigma? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the dance music Gregorian ch- uh, chants. So he comes out to that and, he's, and he comes out holding incense sticks yeah. and he and the minute he steps out to that music, the crowd kind of blows up yeah. and immediately starts chanting Namaste. Yeah. And it is huge. It feels huge. And I could see Greg lit up. I don't think he anticipated that response. Um, but it was a great character. It was a lot of fun to see him come out and just own it. Uh, 
of course, Greg's uh, Zen. Greg is like supportive of everybody in the ring too <laughs> yes. during this yeah. match, which is actually a huge part of his personality. Yeah, he is like too supportive <laughs> sometimes. So like he's not only cheering his opponent, he's telling that, or he's not even like cheering his teammate. He's cheering his opponents for doing well when they do something well. He speaks no negative words. <laughs> he boos nobody. He is just telling, like, even when his partner is getting his ass kicked, he's telling the other guy that's kicking his ass, you are phenomenal. You are somebody. You're doing so good. And this this gets over really huge very quickly. I did not anticipate yeah. that. Um, but, yeah. Can I cover one of my favorite Greg ribs? Or maybe it wasn't a rib. Um, there was a wrestler in <clears throat> Houston named Silky Baines. <laughs> yeah. And Silky was not the most um, aesthetically pleasing uh, person, <laughs> right? Got to give us a little bit. So he, he is a rather rotund, large uh, African-American wrestler <laughs> from, uh, from the Tugboat Taylor School and uh, not the best athlete um, and just, you know, it, big gut, you know? So Greg <laughs> convinces him that he should be wearing trunks. So Silky goes and gets your classic black trunks and he wears these things. He, he has a pair of black ones and a pair of red ones. And he wears these things for like five years before anyone can ever convince him. Like Silky, no, you need to not <clears throat> be wearing fucking trunks. But no, Greg fucking Simons told him, Hey man, you'd look really good in trunks. <laughs> I don't think that's a rib. It may I, not have been. I think, but I, man, Greg it was a just, rib on us. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, so Silky wears his freaking trunks for the next five years, and all his silkiness fucking hanging out for the world. <laughs> but yeah, Greg, Greg did great with this, and I think it, he did great with this because it was partially really who he was, and it was different. I hadn't really seen anything like this at the time, but um. Goddamn, I miss Greg. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, here's the thing, too, man. A very physical match. Like, this was Moonshine and Reigns. Oh, this is right? ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Extremely physical. Like, and that's Greg. Like, that's the weird thing. Like, Greg was always very physical. Battles with Showtime Scott Summers. Um, battles with Tim Storm up in Dallas. Like, anything he ever did was very, very physical. So. Yeah. Anyway. Great! It's a great tag match, and it, it, it introduces a great character. Um, gets Greg James a bit of sympathy, yeah. Which I feel like we could have played with more, but we didn't. Yeah. Um, and of course, it makes Reigns and Mantel look like monsters, you know. <clears throat> anyway, great match. Um, up next, though, is honestly, I think this was one of my missteps, um, and I don't think I had too many. And I don't think it's entirely my fault either. Um, so we have this match where Cherry Ramon, Ramones and Evangelistico are going to be in a two-on-one handicap match against Barrett Brown. And at this point, we're, we've got this angle where uh, Evangelistico and Pierre Abernathy have taken Brown under their wing and they're trying to put hair on his chest and make him into this in, like embittered uh, veteran-type wrestler. <laughs> And because uh, you know Barrett's young, but he's still pretty seasoned, so it's kind of yeah. it's kind of funny, you know. Um, and the concept of this match is that Barrett, who is a completely sober uh, person, he's a he's kind of straight edge, 
they're going to put him in this handicap match where every time one of the other guys tags out or gets to tag their, their opponent their, their, or their tag, to tag their teammate in, Barrett has to do a shot. Now, what, what kills this, though, is Evan's, like, seemingly <laughs> endless explanation of this very simple concept. Yeah. And, like, which just turns the fucking crowd on it. Now, it's a funny idea where you have to do a shot every time, you know, your 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 opponents tag out. Like, you know, it's very simple. It's very funny. And by the end of it, Brown was supposed to be staggering drunk. Yeah. And the match itself, I don't remember being bad, but I just remember people being angry at Evan for not shutting the fuck up. Yeah. And it killed and, it. And, I mean, that's the, that's the beautiful thing about Evan and the sometimes disastrous thing about Evan is that Evan is really good at annoying and pissing people off. <laughs> and there, believe it or not, there is a good way that heels can annoy and piss people off, and there's a bad way. This was a black hole of time, man. Yeah. It took it took a long time. It was just it overstayed its welcome, but also it didn't really get a welcome because it was no. just the, the the amount of talking the explanation was ridiculous. It didn't require all it, that. It took it to that level and just kept going, and that's not what you want out of no, this. No, no. Yeah. But it was on paper it's a good fun idea. And it continues this whole them grooming Evan to be to be this uh this this tough Rizzled, leather yeah, this, veteran this leathery veteran. Angry, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is basically just in reality they're just they're really fucking with him. Like, yeah. Like Barrett is taking it to heart, like he's gonna reach this next level if he listens to these guys <laughs> um, who've been to the mountain, brother. Uh, anyway, after that we come to yeah, this is a oh the, man, yeah, this, this is, is a, a banger. Yeah, this is crazy. This was a crazy, phenomenal match. So we have done quite a bit of ladder matches, and uh, I, I mean, we've I don't think we've had a bad one. No, never. Okay, you know. Um, because we do no wrong, but it, no, <laughs> I legit would put our ladder matches up against anybody's. Well, I think our ladder matches also tell a story too. Yeah. A, a lot of times when you get a ladder match, it's just kind of a frill that you throw on something yeah. that isn't very attractive. And a lot of our ladder matches have, uh, they have stories, uh, behind them. And even, even the, I think one of the first matches we did would, which was, uh, Ricky Starks uh, and Sammy Guevara, and uh, who was who else was in that match? Ricky, Sammy, was Steve in that match? Barrett, Barrett, yeah. Ricky, Sammy. Oh, you're right, Barrett. Yeah, that match, that match had a story behind it, and they didn't even really rely on the ladder. Yeah, it was just those three guys, and then you know just wrestling their asses off, and then the ladder kind of comes into play, and it kind of builds up to one spot really, but it was still phenomenal. Um, this is in that tradition though. These guys just getting in there, working their asses off, really wrestling, and the the latter just kind of becoming almost like the third act in a great play. Yeah. Um, of course, the story here is that Andy, who is a crowd favorite, uh, is in this match. Steve feels like he has to write his own ship where he feels like he was derailed after pursuing Andy when he held the Inspire Pro Championship. And, of course, Sammy unceremoniously smashed the J-Crown champ, championship crown. Steve is trying to kill two birds with one, one ladder, so to speak. <laughs> I believe that was even part of his, yeah, his promo. Part of his promo, yeah. Yeah, um, so it's a 
triple threat ladder match for the the new J Crown. Um, and of course, Andy gets the crown. Yeah, and actually tries to apologize to Stevo at yeah. the end of this match, where he feels like. Man, there's a respect between all three guys. Yeah. He's feeling a moment that clearly <laughs> Steve-O's character is not feeling. And, you know, he apologizes to Steve for the stuff that he's done to him. But Steve rejects this and just attacks Andy. Andy also announces that he's leaving for a tour of Japan. Yeah, he's this is his Noah tour. Yep. He's about to go on tour. Uh, Andy's actually in phenomenal shape, too, yeah, at this point. Really. He is cut. He looks amazing. But, um, yeah, Steve attacks him. And it's a vicious attack. And, of course, I believe Matthew Palmer runs out to stop the attack. Yeah. And at this point, Steve really rips on Matt, kind of makes fun of him for his marriage. Um, yeah. Just tells him that he's lost something, some something of his spark. Um, and this is really the seedling of uh, a really good storyline that's about to occur. Yeah. Um, and going to be a big part of... You know, the next year, year plus of yeah. what we're doing. So, S- Steve is really doing some interesting character stuff here where he is saying he's the righteous villain. Everything he's yeah. saying is totally right. And a lot of people are going, he's right. So, he's getting applauded, but he's still attacking people that are fan favorites. Yeah. So, there's also kind of like that weird mixture of booze. Yeah. He's really, truly a tweener here. Yeah. This is what, a, you know, yeah, fuck you guys who say there are no tweeners. This is a tweener character, and it's done beautifully. And Steve-O did great. And his mic work here is, is really good, I think. Um, but anyway, yeah, Andy, about to leave, has the crown. Um, but, uh, yeah, great moment. Great match. All right. You want me to dive into this? Oh, man, I don't even want to talk about this, but I guess we're going to have to. Yeah. Um, so this was originally scheduled as... Our good friend Teddy Hart versus Masada, and just to recap, because we've like kind of like we talked about in our post production here, like we've gone over this so many fucking times, we're pretty much sick of it. Um, but the deal was, you know, at, at one point Teddy begged us for a match with Masada, right? And uh, w- we set it up and we uh, announce it for this show, and and people were excited, but. There's also like Teddy fatigue at this point. I think, all, there are there. also people who are kind of angry that he's on our cards yeah. too. But this is also supposed to be like we're obligated contractually still at this point, I believe, because he no showed most of his bookings, like he or he like was injured or whatever. Yeah, like I, we advertised him for stuff, but he didn't show up. So yeah, we, we still it, owed him a date. This is supposed to be a date we owed him. Yeah, and there was like the fun, fun, fun fest. It got really complicated and muddy. Yeah. Um. But anyway, like, so he's supposed to wrestle Masada. Um. Apparently, like, he calls like set, telling me that um, Masada's going to shoot on him. And this is the guy that like has begged for this match, and like I really don't even he's telling me I don't even really know this guy. Um. Apparently, Masada got in a fist fight with um. Brian Christopher in his hotel room during Mania Weekend or something. Oh, yeah. And Teddy got arrested for it or something. You know, there's just a bunch of bullshit. Tons and tons as, 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 of Teddy bullshit. Yeah, as is typical. So um, 
Teddy calls us and like, oh, I blew out my knee. This is the night before he's in Arizona. He's like, oh, I blew out my knee. Like, oh, surprise, surprise. So we know that there's some bullshit going on. So Palmer actually flies in from Florida, uh, I think on his own dime, just to be here in case some shit goes down. And uh, sure enough, by the time this match comes up, we have to come out and tell the crowd, hey, Teddy's not making it. Um, and, you know, Palmer fucking steps in and we have Palmer versus Masada, which is the first time we've ever been able to have like a just Masada wrestling match. So it was kind of cool. A good blessing in disguise there. Um, there are some crazy spots. Yeah. However. There's that moment where I believe Matt hip tosses Masada the off fucking table. Yeah. He, he hip tosses him off from the uh, ramp <laughs> into a bunch of chairs. Yeah. And yeah, there also is a table a table spot in this match, but yeah. um a, not like a wooden table, a fucking plastic table. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so maybe it wasn't as catch as catch can as I remember it, but No, no, but, it was not. You know, you know, <laughs> we got Palmer and Masada. Um and this luckily, and I can promise you, the last time you will ever have to hear Inspire Pro talk about their dealings with Teddy Hart, like this was the end of it. So, um, this match was great though. Yeah. It was, it was kind of like this unexpected surprise and a lot of people were really happy with it. Um, I, I think by the time we got there, weren't we kind of just hoping it would just be Palmer and Masada? I think so. You know? I think I was also just there with, with, with Teddy, there's always just like, will he, won't he be there yeah. kind of thing. And I was just like, no, fuck this. And I remember like the last time we were dealing with Teddy, he, he was like driving there, right? He yeah. was driving there and he missed his spot on the card, and then uh, Masada, who drove him there, yeah. was trying to talk me into letting him go out there and just cut a promo. And I'm like, man, no one needs that 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 hassle. Yeah. Let's just let's just kill like kill this idea. And this was supposed to be a makeup for that actually, because he didn't make that booking anyway. He still ended up like showing up in the lobby trying to sell eight by tens or something. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Um, but. I digress into something I enjoyed a thousand, not not from the match, but dealing with Teddy Hart a thousand times better. Uh, Jessica James uh, defeats the Mountain Vanessa Craven. Um, she gets her win back. Like this is a this is a crowning moment for me because this is a three match story. Really, this is the first Jessica and Vanessa match, the tag match with Angelus and Doom, and now we're getting the final payoff. Um, and this really feels like what I want our women's wrestling to be. Yeah. Great match. Big, big feel, man. Really good. Um, and then yeah. we, we go into something that was not so smooth. Uh, something yeah. that was pretty difficult. This was a, a clash of styles. Not bad, just not smooth. Yeah, uh, It's a little bad in here. So we have... Ricky Starks defending the Inspire Pro title against Mike Dell, who had won a three-way match to uh, take this opportunity with special guest referee Carson. Yeah. Uh, it's a little little fun wrinkle. Um, Mike was always a guy who wanted to do stuff that was he was comfortable with. That's my opinion. Yeah. Um, but also, I feel like there was a certain animosity toward people that weren't in his club so to speak. And there were a lot of people who seemed to really dislike Ricky. Um, not because of anything he did, but I just think he represented this this kind of new wave yeah. of wrestling that didn't necessarily jive 
with what a lot of other people envision as pro wrestling. A lot of people in the business think that there's only one way to do business or do creative. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and there was there was only one Ricky Starks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So Ricky wasn't going to change who Ricky was just to fit in with anybody. No, no. He was doing his own thing. And, uh, you know, Franco, Franco didn't... I remember when, when I started to kind of grow cold on Franco is when he came to me and said, I hear, I hear you're thinking about putting the title on Ricky. I think that's a horrible idea for business. And I'm like, I don't know why you would think that people are going crazy for the guy. Um, and I wasn't about to listen to anybody like trying politic, you know, like that's, that's what, that's exactly what I wanted to avoid when I began, began this, this company. Carson was inserted into this match as a special referee, uh, also to try and build some, towards something that Mike could do that he was more comfortable with. Yeah, we were, we were going to build towards Mike Carson and, Mike and, Mike and Carson for an and extended I, period of time. And I had a very specific idea uh, that I don't think was very well executed by those involved. But Mike wanted to work with Carson. Carson wanted to work, work, work with Mike. And you knew that you'd get something good out of it. Yeah. And it, it also would have been something that pleased a certain segment of our crowd. Yeah. So, yeah, that was... It, it, it made sense, but... I remember Mike being incredibly difficult to deal with leading up to this match. He didn't want to do a lot of stuff, and I don't think he liked the idea of putting Ricky over. Yeah. Uh, we had the wrinkle with the special referee, but yeah, I think that was an issue. Yeah. So, that I mean, the, the special referee was also to kind of cushion the blow of taking the pin, I think. Yeah. Is that is that fair to say? I, that's probably fair, yeah. Because it's not like a... I don't remember, like, vividly... <laughs> it's kind of all bleeds together, right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That That's probably why we had that in there. Yeah. <clears throat> it was me trying to appease certain people, certain egos. And I really thought that had Mike just kind of rolled with it, he and Ricky could have had a really great match because Dell, when he's pushed out of his comfort zone and open to it, can do some really amazing stuff. Yeah. And I felt like he was just... At the risk of pissing him off, uh, I feel like he just kind of wanted to coast and just do what was easiest, you know. Yeah. And also, I don't—I mean, he just didn't want to—he didn't want to work with Ricky. Like it was—it was. I remember it being like pulling teeth to get him to work with with Barrett. Yeah, you know, it, it, like I don't think it was so much what was easiest as far as it was what Mike does. You know what I mean? Mike does what Mike does. Right, but it, it was it. He was he was not going to go out of his way to get out. He didn't, of but he that didn't. He didn't want to. He didn't want to be Mike Dill out of the box. Yeah, you no. know, he wanted to very much be in his wheelhouse. Yep, you know. Yep, I'll agree with that. So yeah, um, but I think I think that's also that's also a comfort level thing. Yeah, you know, um, and also just what he prefers. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the conclusion of the show felt huge. To yeah, me. this uh, was big. This was big. We had so we we have built up Tempo and Danhausen to yeah. Donovan Danhausen, who is <laughs> that currently, <guy. laughs> cur- currently in, in Ring of Honor right yeah. now. Uh, some people love him, some people hate him, <clears throat> but uh, I love him, I love him too. I love him too. I love and Donovan. Donovan is a great dude. Uh, but we had the team of Donovan and Tempo, which was fire. Yeah, it was Princes cool. of the Universe, Princes of the Universe, yes. And uh, they were, of course, a part of the new movement stable. And at this point, Donovan had 
moved to Florida yeah. and was no longer accessible. Yeah, to, it, to never be heard of from indie wrestling again. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. We'll get more into that later. Yeah. But it was it was kind of a blow. I was really bummed out because we'd done some great stuff and the crowd reaction to this guy who had had some great matches, you know, showing up with Tempo, who was obviously beloved. It was a it felt right. I remember the first time we debuted that tag team at Tagcade. Everybody was ecstatic. Um, and so we lost him. We had to fill a void. Yeah. I wanted to do something that felt special. And so we have Tempo plus a mystery partner as advertised. Yeah. The mystery, I love the newest prince, the newest prince of the universe. And we kind of like really teased something big. And Chris true is, you know, really teasing something big. And this is the top of our card. Yeah. This is a really important spot. And, uh, so Davey Vega and Tim Storm are out there with their belts and they're ready to take on somebody. And the, the princes of the universe, the queen song hits and Terrell Tempo steps out with Chris True along with Angelus Lane and yeah, the house came wild. unglued. Yeah. Now there were like three fucking dudes who saw this and were like, oh, that's it. We're done with your company. Walked <laughs> out the door and I rem- and then like grumbling at me. And I, and I remember saying, good, fuck you. Get out. I don't yeah. need you. Yeah. Like I literally, it's the only time I've ever said that to a fan. Yeah. But just the fact that, I mean, people went nuts for this. People yep. had really rounded a corner during the final match that she had with Doom. That oh, was a yeah. great moment. And she, so she came back with this fanfare. Yeah. They and were it, pumped. It felt so good. Um, and it also it also leads to some story stuff that we didn't really get to fulfill, unfortunately. Yeah. But So I got I got a quick quote. It's uh, less of a question, more of a quote from uh Proctor Anderson, who's been a fan of ours since maybe day one. Yeah. Very very dedicated inspired fan, but uh, main event of Splendor is one of my top three moments, um, memories from an Inspire show. I was sitting behind a little girl watching her watch Angelus beat up Davy and Tim and will always be a special memory to me. And that's really what it's all about. I get right? I get chills when I think about how we've handled our women being yeah. in the ring with men because they're never treated as objects. They're never treated as women, just as oppo- opponents, like yeah. regardless of gen- gender, they're just treated as legitimate and yeah. I remember this is definitely a great moment. I remember I remember those little girls just going nuts yeah. as Angelus was cleaning house. And it's um, rep, representation matters, you know. And I've um, I've been blessed to be able to understand that yeah. and what that means. I mean, we're we're two fucking straight white dudes, you know. <laughs> like yeah. Um, but to understand, you know, why that's important and 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 see people react to it. And understand how much it means to people is, you know, it's, uh, I'm not going to say it's opened our eyes because it's been something we've strived for, for since yeah. day one. But, you know, the more we do it, the more we see how positive it is, the more we understand how important it really is. Absolutely. And, of course, Davey, Davey and Tim are, are up. Um, but this is supposed to <clears throat> go into... Uh, a program where Angelus being a part of the new movement and Doom being in the new movement was supposed to sort of create some friction yeah. uh, between Doom, who is very wary of yeah. having his former enemy. Though she's made peace with her, there's still some trepidation yeah. there. there. There was, you know, this is her blood enemy, and now business-wise, True's doing business with her. Yeah. And, and we wanted to explore that for sure. And, and ultimately, what we were really building toward, I think I can kind of yank the hood off this one, is yeah. that we wanted to do, eventually... This 
team where Angelus and Doom faced Vega and Tim and yeah. took the belts from them. Yeah. We really wanted to do the the, the, the female tag champs because um, we thought it would be over huge. Yeah, you know? and we get, well, we get close to it. Yeah, uh, we do. as you'll see coming soon. Yeah, but it, it uh, but due to due to various things, including a relocation by Angelus. Uh, yeah, it just it just didn't it just didn't work out. Even though it would have been magnificent, we just we don't get to that point. But anyway, and so the sun sets <laughs> on the last time Biss and I close up shop at Marquesa Holland Theater. Um, I will say, we still pushed that fucking broom, mopped that fucking floor. Yes, we did. You know, even though like we were, at this point, never thought we'd be back, we fucking did that venue as good as we could. Yeah, yeah. Um, we love that space, and we love Deb, and we loved uh, David, we loved Vasiliki, we loved Raven, we loved all the people that worked there, man. Yeah. And uh, it was an honor to be there. Uh, up until that point and I think there was there was definitely a, a great deal of melancholy yeah uh, as we made our exit I know I felt it in my heart um, Marquesa now Austin Film Society Cinema will always be our home no matter where we go that's a really special place where I feel like we made magic. Yeah, that was a really. It's, it's, it, and I think that that place was conducive to making magic for a lot of reasons yeah. that are maybe even metaphysical. I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's just, it just feels right. Yeah, you know. But um, anyway, that's a wrap on another edition of Inspire AD, and we will return next week with forever, <laughs> forever, for, and ever, ever, and ever. Yeah. All right, guys. Well. It's been a joy. See you next week.